In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I collect quotes. Here's one of my favorites from the author of The Jungle Book, Rudyard Kipling. I am by calling a dealer in words, and words are, of course, the most powerful drug used by mankind. Like Kipling, we too are dealers in words. The words we Christians deal with are those of the patriarchs and prophets, apostles and evangelists, and especially the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Now here's another quote that's so good, I taped it onto my study door the other day. Accept me, Lord, into thy school, and graduate me as thy fool. When you deal with words, whether you are a student, or a teacher, or even if you love to read for the sake of reading, reading, you are gaining knowledge and power. How you use that knowledge and power is important. You can read the Bible for knowledge and power, and yet that knowledge and power can be only to answer questions correctly on a test. Maybe that's how you got through confirmation instruction. Admittedly, I tell you that even I was that way. A get-her-done mentality, especially knowing that for three of my four years of confirmation training, it was my dad who was my teacher, not the pastor. And my father was a stern taskmaster in the Sunday school classroom. I wanted the whole thing to be done. So I just got through it the best way that I could. So that's my confession to you tonight. The Holy Spirit, though, used that opportunity to plant the good news of salvation from sin, death, and hell into your life and my life, too, in spite of myself. It seemed, though, when you were 13 years old, that a lot of that information had no effect on your life. You were 13. Man, the world was your oyster. As you grow in years, and when this crooked generation tries to gain the upper hand on you, what you then saw as hooey when you were young is now your lifeline to a gracious and merciful Lord who never gave up on you. The Lord Jesus never gave up on you because, as St. Peter proclaims in Acts chapter 2, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Yesterday was rally day here at St. Peter's, a beginning of a new season of Christian education. So we do well to take a moment tonight to consider what Christian education is, and who it is for. The aim of Christian education is not to make your life miserable by learning theological complexity. Our confirmation children will begin their first course of instruction or their last year of instruction, or they're still rolling through it this coming Wednesday night. I will not, for example, put in front of the 5th and 8th graders that I will teach in Luther's small catechism, I will not put in front of them theological terms like genus apotelismaticum, 
genus myostaticum. I will not talk to them about the communication of attributes of Jesus Christ. Those are wonderful things, but that's T-bone steak. We are dealing here, beloved, with milk. No mother anywhere will ever take a young child to the dinner table and set down before them a T-bone steak and say, good luck with that. Especially if they have no teeth on which to chew it. You start out with milk, whether from a bottle or from the breast. And then you move into the simpler foods. And ultimately, though, you move your way up to, yeah, T-bone steak. Now, take our congregation's preschool as an example. Children here are taught more than letters, numbers, colors, and creative play. They are taught the familiar stories of Jesus Christ and what he has done for them. In fact, Vicar and I meet with them twice a week, and we pull out what we call the Jesus picture. Every week, it's a different picture from either one of us. And it's Jesus doing something for someone. And we tell the children that Jesus is doing this for them. For Jesus is for them. For they are children. And they also may be one of those who are far off. For the children that are dropped off here and picked up here five days a week may never at home hear the name Jesus Christ. Their home may not even have a Bible in it. So the work that is done here by our preschool teachers is precious, holy time. They are introducing young children to Jesus Christ. And it's one of the goals of Vicar's time with us that he is able to proclaim this good news in a way that even two- and three-year-old children are able to understand it. And yes, beloved, they are able to understand this. One glance at Luther's small catechism shows us that what goes on here on a Sunday morning, or in the case of tonight, a Monday night, is a continuation of what goes on in your homes. Moms and dads are the front-line workers of God's righteousness. It is your sacred responsibility to train up your children in the way they should go, for they will never depart from it. And I know your child or your children may have departed from it. I have two brothers and a sister that remain alive. Both of my brothers have not stepped foot in a church in quite some time. One of them occasionally asks me, how's that preaching thing working out for you? And I say, oh, it's going pretty good. And then he says, have you had any gospel birds lately? You know what the gospel bird is? Chicken. Because when the preacher comes over to your house, you've got to feed him chicken, you know, at least in southern Illinois. They were trained in this righteousness. My parents did their duty. They promised at my brother's and my sister's baptism that they would do this, and they did. And at some point, though, this crooked generation got hold of them. And I still think that there is a glimmer of faith within both of my brother's. But they'd rather be someplace else than the house of the Lord. 
even with a brother who is a pastor. It happens even to the most faithful of families. It can happen even in my family. May God prevent it, but it could happen to any of my children. Hear me, beloved. What you have done as parents and what you're doing now as parents was not done in vain. There's not a one of us here tonight that's perfect in doing it. That's why we're here. If we were perfect, we wouldn't have to come to church now, would we? The day may come when they return from following this crooked generation and again walk in the light of Christ. And that day is a possibility because you are responsible for teaching them that the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What is this promise that parents in the domestic front and that pastors, vicars, deaconesses, Sunday school teachers, what are preschool teachers, what is this promise that we all proclaim? The promise is that God knows you. God knew you before there was a you. And he chose you, yes, you, to be his precious child. And he gives you this treasure, the treasure of Jesus Christ, his only son, the treasure of the victory over sin and death and hell. He did all the work for you. You receive eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. Though you have not kept his command the way that he expects and demands, He still forgives your sin. He still calls you his child in Jesus. There is nothing you do but receive this. It is the opposite of what the lawyer in the Good Samaritan parable that Vicar preached on last week in Luke chapter 10 talks about, where he stands there and wants to know who his neighbor is. And he knows who his neighbor is. He's trying to trick our Lord, trying to get him to say something that isn't true. He knew what the law was, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And yet he thought he could be saved by doing so. He could not. Jesus even died for that fellow. He gives all the spoils of his victory over the devil to you. Knowing that, believing that, forsaking everything of this world and trusting in that alone saves you from this crooked generation. We often forget that as we grow in years. That is why we consider Christian education not a childhood thing, but a lifelong thing. It is continuing education. So put yourself down at the UW Medical Center. And you need heart surgery. And it's pretty serious. And they get the best heart surgeon they have in Madison to do your surgery. The doctor comes into the room and sits down with you and says, I just want to let you know you are the 7,384th patient I have ever done this surgery on. Please take comfort in knowing that I do at least five of these a week, sometimes six. If I could, I could do this surgery in my sleep, but I won't do it in my sleep for you. And there is one more thing that I want you to know before I let you go. In preparing for this surgery, 
I haven't learned any new techniques in the last 20 years. I don't know about you, but if I heard that from a doctor, I would run. Medical professionals are required to attend continuing education. They won't let them keep their license without it. For yes, they have learned the basics, but they need to keep learning new things because things do change in the medical profession. And even though I teach a timeless word, even I take time to learn new things because I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and how to preach and teach it. That's why I took some time earlier this summer to go up to Shano and sit at the feet of one of our seminary professors for about two and a half days to learn about preaching, to get stronger in this. The scriptures have not changed since I've been up there and they've not changed since I've come back. But I did pick up a few quivers, big few arrows for my quiver that can show up in preaching any day now. We are, as Christians, people who live in God's grace. We are no longer on, under the law, but we do not mandate continuing education. This is not the medical profession. Your commencement from continuing education as a Christian is when you fall asleep in Jesus. For you are always learning something new from the never-ending storehouse of his undeserved love. And you read this and you hear this in Holy Scripture. So consider this your invitation. Vicar has just started a new Bible class on Sunday morning looking at the minor prophets in chronological order. So we start with Joel this coming Sunday morning. If you can't make it then, on Tuesday afternoons, ladies, we're in the book of Proverbs and having a fun time studying that interesting book of wisdom from Holy Scripture. Gentlemen, we just began the book of Genesis this past Saturday, 8 a.m. It's going to be fun because there's so much in the book of Genesis. And maybe it's been a while since you've heard the stories of Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and others. And if those times do not work for your schedule, and believe me, <laughs> almost nothing works for people's schedules these days, come talk to Vicar and I. We would love to start a new opportunity to grow deep in God's grace. To move from that spiritual milk to solid food in God's word. These are our times to hear again that promise. The promise that is for you and for your children and all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The thing about Christian education too is that the smarter you get, the dumber you get. That don't make sense, but it does. Remember the saying on my door? Accept me, Lord, into thy school, and let me graduate as thy fool. The smarter you get, the dumber you get. Because those who are being saved become fools for Christ. They, like St. Paul, decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified as the source of of all wisdom. Paul continues, 
For God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. What is Paul talking about here? The wisdom of the cross. The most foolish event in the world. Accept me, Lord, into thy school and graduate me as thy fool. And I gladly submit to being a fool for Jesus Christ. Because the smarter I get, the dumber I get. Because I know no one save Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.